Welcome to Meet an African Pastor podcast. My name is Anthony Seitzma, and in this podcast, I interview different African pastors so that people around the world can hear about what their lives are like and pray for them. And most importantly, this gives all of us an opportunity to learn from the African church. Thank you for listening. Welcome, Kefis. Uh, for our listeners, I'm with Kefis Akundo from Nigeria. Kefis is a, a friend of mine from a uh, long time ago. We met in the United States in um, a Timothy leadership training. Kefis, it's good to be with you again. We haven't been in person in a long time, but it's been good to keep in touch with you over the years. And I'm glad to be able to do this podcast with you. Can you tell the listeners more about who you are? Can you share about your family and um, about the work that you do? Thank you so much, uh, Anthony, for uh, this very uh, special moment. I call it special because uh, we've not seen each other for quite a while, like you said, and I'm excited that we're talking today. Uh, even though for the past two weeks or so, we had some hitches uh, in terms of communication with you. I'm glad we're, coming, we're connecting again. Uh, my name is Kefas uh, Solomon Akundo. Uh, Kundo is the son name, the family. Uh, my parents were evangelists who were trained by the early missionaries um, that came over to Nigeria in the 60s. And after their training, they had opportunity to work with the missionaries for quite a while. So I grew up as a missionary child or as an evangelist child, um, being exposed to biblical teaching, being exposed to um, Sunday school, and so many other activities that actually helped me to grow up to know God. And at the point I had to give my life to Christ personally, I had to decide uh, personally to accept Christ and make him Lord and Savior of my life. And that was in 1978. And ever since then, and the Lord has shown me his mercy. I have continued to enjoy his grace uh, in my, my individual life, personal life, my prayer life, my Bible study life, and as well as uh, my family life. It has been quite interesting knowing the Lord all these years. Um, the church that I worship with um, is Christian Reformed Church in Nigeria. Uh, it's a church that is headquartered or located, the headquarters are located uh, in Takum, um, the northeastern part of the country, uh, somewhere in the southern part of the northeast. We have where the headquarters of the church is. Um, it is a historic place because the mission is settled around this area. In fact, uh, they had a lot of impact. Their presence was quite strong and very, very um, meaningful because they had so many activities going on at the time. There was health program that the, the missionary was, the mission was running. They had also education. They had also um, the, the agric extension services that were meant to enable people, the farmers, especially because the area here are basically, uh, uh, the, 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 the people here are basically farmers, they are farming communities. And so 
they saw the need and the challenge opportunity also to help the farmers do their income and improve their livelihood. So the early missionaries did a lot and that the, the impact of the work is still what is going on at the moment, which I, I, would, tell, I would say from one small church today, uh, we have over 183 um, local worship centers, or should I say local church councils. And so we are still counting, the last being on the 28th, the last local council was organized or inaugurated on the 28th of May this year, that is 2022. And we also had a change of leadership, the leadership from Reverend Dr. Caleb Ahima, a one-time student of Calvary College, now is transferred to Reverend Reverend Dr. Isaiah Jirake Magaji. So he is currently the, I mean, uh, Reverend Isaiah is currently the president of CRCM. And uh, Anthony, I can tell you that God has been so faithful uh, in helping the CRCM. And um, having been working with the church as a worker for quite a while, I think since 1985, I've been a, a worker with the church working in different places, working with communities, working with uh, women's groups, as well as training pastors. Um, I've had the opportunity in standing the general, I mean, the church synod to, 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 to train pastors. That I have done quite a, you know, for a number of times. And every year I conduct, or the church conducts um, induction training for her um, pastors or to be ordained pastors and have always been featuring there with some trainings on, issue, on, on, on issues of improvement of livelihood, health-wise, and they talk about church expansion, what can be done to be able to make the church grow better and also self-reliant and not depend on any, uh, I mean, on external sources all the time. So uh, these are the things that I find very exciting doing. I do that every year. Every year we have pastors that are ordained in the church or by CRC, CRC Nigeria. And then um, these pastors will have to, it's a mandatory training. They will have to go through a two-week or three-week um, um, <clears throat> induction course. And all through this period, I feature there to give a talk on a particular topic or particular area of need that the church feels very uh, uh, feels very strong that should be part of the training. So these are the issues. These are the things that I do, and I I can I can tell you with all certainty that the impact is very very real. You see, um, they go out there well prepared. They are, you know, um, they, they go out equipped, so to speak. You know, in a way because. Uh, the challenges out there are enormous that they know. So it's a way like, okay, let's prepare them. Let's get our acts together, get the nurses tools together to be able to go to you know, face the challenge that out there in the field. And uh, the stories that follow thereafter are always very encouraging. Otherwise, I think the child would have scrapped that program long ago.
Yeah. yeah. Thank you so much, Kefis. It's good to get get that uh, background and uh, hear about uh, the ministry you've done. Um, we had uh, agreed today to focus on a very touching issue. That's the security situation in Nigeria. Um, wanted to focus on that first um, so that our listeners around the world who will be listening to this later can be praying for you and, and your churches. So could you tell us, um, have to try to summarize it a bit for us because I know it's such a complex situation, but can you try to give us a, a summary uh, or the general uh, description of what, what the different conflicts are about and what the different dangers are? Uh, and then after that, let's move into talking about how the church um, and, and church leaders are responding to these different situations. Okay. Yeah, Anthony, um, you know, this is an area that is in the front burner in this country, not just in Taraba alone. Uh, I forgot to tell you that Taraba State is in the Northeast. That is where the CRC um, headquarters is located. I'm talking about the security situation in this country, honestly, is something we, 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 you know, we battle with daily. It has become a daily phenomenon. It has become a daily challenge. We wake up every day thinking about what you know, to say, what to do, and we keep praying. And sometimes we're tempted to wonder if God is changing the situation at all, <laughs> because it's like the prayers people do, the church does, is, you know, open up more of the, you know, conflicts that we encounter or experience around the region. Now, Northeast is one of the areas that has been, has, has, has experienced a lot of conflicts. Uh, they talk about Northwest. Uh, Northwest, I would think, is something that is, um, just recently compared to what we have experienced here. Um, I remember we had Mitatini from the Mitatini, it transformed to, uh, to Boko Haram, from Boko Haram to, to Hexme, uh, from Hexme, you know, you know, to Bandit. And so the names keep changing, but if you go through the rank and file of these people, they are the same people. The same people who are running about with their cattle, the same people who do not, who are nomads, who have no specific houses where you go to point out to say this is where they are located because they roam around. That is just the situation. So with their cows or with the cattle, they roam. I mean, they move from place to place and across Africa. And so the challenge is that they are not just in one place, but they are all over Africa. So they, it becomes quite difficult even for the security operatives of the country to manage these people. Although it's, it's not as if it can, they cannot be tempted, but the challenge is that the political will of the government or in the, um, of the administration in the country appears to be weak. They tend to feel like you know, selecting where to intervene and where not to, you know, I mean, where not to go in terms of um, checkmating the vices of the, uh, of the uh, marauders, so to speak. Now, 
in the northeast where we where we are we um, in the past we had the ethnic ethno ethnic you know, ethnic conflict where two tribes were on each other's neck over the issue of traditional stew and because the the king at that time um, who was you know um, who belonged to a particular tribe because we have you know in Taco in, in particular we we have the Jukuns we have the Kuteb we have the Chamba we have the Eche we have the Panzo all these tribes and so many the more than a hundred different um, ethnic groups within the same state now in Taco where we are. Our challenge from the beginning was the issue of who will succeed the next or who will be the next person on the throne. And that is very key to our people. I am Juku, and I, the other tribe are the ones that have been ruling. And the Juku in Takum are only kingmakers, they are not supposed to be kings or to be on the throne to rule as king over this land. Now, another tribe there where, you know, from, from this, actually, I have a lot to tell you about this because the time will not allow us. I have participated in so many of the conflict in a resolution of conflict meetings. Um, we were always, is there, what actually is it? And it has always been nothing but who, will be in the throne. And now, in the past, it was a, a, a thing of struggle. It was clear for everybody you know, to know that after this person, the next family is moving in. After this family, the next family. But with, with politically, with uh, other you know, personal and individual sentiments that came in, the whole structure, the whole arrangement has been bastardized to the point that people now have to fight People now have to, you know, take up arms against each other, you know, in the quest to put their own person on the throne or on the, you know, they have been struggling with that. Um, and as a church, I must tell you, as a church, the church has tried her best. In fact, I remember I participated in one of the meetings that had um, somebody from the uh, Ethiopia, another one, I think Peter Vendermiller, and then Richard, Richard Van Hutton, uh, the Constellation, and something, the JPR, Justice and Peace Reconciliation, all from the US. And I was one of those that you know, participated in this meeting. I, in the meeting, we made it very clear that the, the people they were talking about were not even there. Unfortunately, they were not even at the meeting. And so, they had to come up with new strategies as to how to engage these people. And by, you know, as a result of that, some of the um, uh, players, some of the stakeholders were, were later invited and a very strong committee was set up to be able to work together with the, 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 um, the people in the community or in the area, in the region to work towards fostering a better understanding so that the issue of uh, traditional stool should not be risen you know, for conflict. Because from the traditional you know, um, uh, corridors, the whole thing shifted to the church, such that people started fighting each other and it brought a lot of destruction 
to tackle in particular. In fact, tackle was reduced basically to a fair no, to rubbles. Almost all the buildings in tackle, you know, belonging to either of the you know either, either of the tribe, you know, that were attacked by the 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 the, the youth at that time, you know, were brought to rubbles. Now we fought up to a point where everybody now realized that we have we have all lost in this conflict stations in the hearts of some people achieve their own uh, uh, goal by doing what they do that is insisting that they must be the one on the throne and that is left in the hands of the government because it cannot just happen and i can tell you for for how many for quite for more than for close to 20 years or should I say, yeah, for close to 20 years, Tarkum has been without a king as a result of this conflict because there is, there is no understanding and nobody is willing to shift ground. So it, because it has become very difficult for the government to step in and um, inaugurate or coronate uh, a, a new leader or ruler over the land. So we are struggling with this one day, the issue of um, the headsmen who are the cattle headers who live around us also step in. Theirs became very, very clear that it was not just about uh, grazing, but you know, also taking over the land in some places. And as I'm talking to you now, they have succeeded in displacing so many communities. Many communities cannot go on with their family activities, cannot go on with their own business activities. And so, so much has been lost. You go to the communities, you see most of the houses have been raised down, burnt, you know, and, and destroyed. And means of livelihood totally destroyed. Their farm crops are destroyed. Their fruit trees are destroyed. Their places of abode are also gone. And, you know, just take it. When you have that kind of situation, there will be no market again, there will be no school again, and then even the hospitals who are, or the clinics who are in these places or the health, health posts who are in these places are also, you know, destroyed. So people are forced to adjust and they struggle to more, you know, move on with their life. So it's a very, very uh, terrible situation for most of the communities. Now, where we are on that, you know, we continue to see trades. Now, recently, just about a month ago, not up to a month, I guess, um, the, the, the Fulani hates me. Uh, for whatever reason, they, they were out on vigilance mission and so decided to mobilize themselves to invent some communities around Takumi area where we are. Now, Anthony, if I tell you what as I'm, you know, what I'm talking to you is a lot of body. It, it got to a point where Takum was caged in. Nobody was coming to Takum and from Takum, nobody was going out. In fact, even the poultry farm that we were running because we depended so much on the th things that were coming from Jaws, from, uh, from um, Kaduna and other places. I mean, these are the states that are far, and even Benue, which is our, uh, you know, which is a border state with us. Now, 
as a result of the insurgency, as a result of this kind of situation, that we were not able to move out and people were not coming in, we lost all the 1,000 um, uh, egg lay, you know, uh, um, chickens or hens we had. We lost them all. And so many other activities were stopped. In fact, as a result, as I'm talking to you, we cannot even run that business anymore because there is no certainty, there is no assurance that there will be, you know, there will be safety in, on the roads. And as you take the road, Anthony, if I tell you, even with this kind of situation, sometimes I, will, I know traveling on the road, you know, when I travel and I drive back, people will say, what are you doing, Kefas? Are you not, I know, I, I don't know what, what is happening. Are you not saying? And in fact, my president will even, check, you know, will even call me to say, please don't take that road again. And I'll say, what? What will I do? Because that is the only shorter way to connect with the next town and the state, I mean, and, and other states. And we had chickens, Live chickens that needed attention, and without doing that, so it was really, really you know, a, a, um, a, a huge risk on my part as I travel around the places to be able to provide, I mean, to get the things that the, the birds needed at that time. So we we struggled because of that, and also with the with, with you know, like I was saying, the recent the the, the recent situation. I remember we. We, we, we hate the planning headsmen were going out to attack a community. Unfortunately for them, information got to the uh, to the army. Uh, we have we have a battalion here in Takum, and um, they decided to go. I don't have the full details, but what I you know we learned was that because the the soldiers went out to stop the invading or the 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 the, the, the the Fulanese from coming into this community. Uh, in the process, the commanding officer, Lieutenant Colonel, I can't remember his name now, and then with other six soldiers were ambushed and killed. So it brought a lot of problems to the point that the soldiers went out on rampage against the Fulanese. I live among the Fulanese, I live among the Muslims. Okay. In this, mm -hmm. uh, in this area where I live, I live among the Muslims. And what I, I'm telling you is that, uh, is I'm telling you from my personal experience, what I'm seeing, what I'm hearing. Now, some of these Muslims stay in my own house because I have you know, another house behind me. So my, you know, the man who is the, who is the imam, the sheikh of the mosque, there are two mosques around me here. One on my right hand here, and then the other one that just directly in front of my house here. All get, and they live in this, this place with me. And uh, we hear the stories, we hear what they, you know, they say. Um, you know, oh, we've not had any problem with them. I mean, for those who are staying with me, we don't have problem. And uh, well, in fact, uh, we don't even pray to have one, but they have people who come from outside, sometimes influence their decisions, influence their thoughts, influence the things they do. So we hear the stories, we hear what they say. They're the ones that are telling us that there are people are coming to this side to attack, there are people are going to do this and all of that. Now, we, we you know, my, my position has always been, why must we continue to fight each other? Why must we continue to, 
look at each other as enemies. We are not rivals, we are not enemies. We are all created by God, whether we are Muslims or Christians. None of us created you know, himself or herself. We are all one before God in terms of his creation, as far as creation is concerned. Now, so I, you know, that has always been my position. So, and I always insist on living in peace you know, with one another. And that's actually what the church is doing. Then I can tell you that the church has taken a you know, very strong uh, stride in this area. Uh, they have organized, you know, they had uh, in, the, in the past, they, they organized um, uh, peace work all across the land, uh, which took how many, about one week, people trekking from one community to another and to about three, four different local government areas within the state. Now, all this was to foster understanding and unity. From there, we also decided, okay, uh, Christian Reformed Church Nigeria and Reformed Church Christian Reformed Church of Christ in Nigeria. These are brothers. The, uh, the predominant uh, tribe is actually what determines the difference. Uh, the Christian Reformed Church Nigeria are more of the Jupus and other uh, minorities. While the uh, RCC, that's Reformed Church of Christ and Reformed Church of Christ in Nations, uh, RCCN is more of the protect. Now, by history, we are one, but the dialects are not the same. So the church decided to organize a kind of interaction that there will be pulpit exchanges between the pastors, uh, the members of the church to work closely with one another, and then also to share the administration of the state, which is actually happening. So, of course, you can you cannot put aside the issue of other sentiment, you know, you know, nepotism and all of that. So, those things still come up, you know, here and there. Now, the church on her part has done quite, quite well. Every year we organize a national conference where we have all the church members come together, to, you know, in one place here in Takum. The same thing also, the RCCA headquarters too, is located here in Tagman. So they organize similar uh, made, uh, you know, conference where their members also come and then they meet. So it is at this time, you'll find our leaders going to greet this one. They will go to exchange comp and compliments here, pleasantries here, and all of that. So all with the aim to, you know, build the understanding among the, uh, the church membership which I think to an extent has really uh, doused the tension that hitherto was very high. So we, we have seen quite, quite a lot in the area of um, uh, ethno, I mean, et, you know, et, ethno-religious crisis. We have also seen that of uh, uh, ethnic conflict. And still going back to the ethno-religious crisis, we have come to understand that the, our Muslim brothers are determined to take over Taraba State by all means. Now, there is, there is, a, there is a, a video that is, that is going on at the moment, which in a way is clear to everyone that they want to take over the land. They want to take over the state. They want to take over the area, the region. Unfortunately, Christians are more in Taraba State. I was talking about the ethno, still coming back to the ethno-religious crisis. 
Now, what has been helping the church? Honestly, we have uh, determined young people and also people are praying to see that it, it doesn't escalate beyond what, I mean, beyond the normal imagination. Um, what I mean is that in most of this community, is, you know, around the region here, it got to a point where most of the communities, I think uh, we, we went out for a demographic survey and we came out with about uh, um, more than 5,000 widows whose husbands were killed as a result of the crisis and also crisis-related challenges. Some of them hurt, some of them because of lack of what they would do to be able to help themselves. And so we, they lost their husbands. And then the church also has um, uh, also a, a number of you know, orphans. The list is endless that the church is struggling with. Now, uh, the ministry I run is targeted at widows, targeted at orphans, targeted at uh, you know, the vulnerable in the society, most especially uh, the women, the young girls, and uh, you know, and and the youth. Now, when you go into the communities, what you find or what you see around is the impact of these things on the lives of the you know, of the young people of these people I mentioned, the category of the, of the people I mentioned. Now, what do you see? You see joblessness, unemployment on the high. I mean, on, on the rise. You see um, poverty on the increase. And poverty with so many things that you could point out. You see, people's lifespan continues to go down, drained you. You also see lack of water, lack of access road, and then it becomes a pretty challenging or difficult for people to, you know, to find means of livelihood. The struggle, they are. They, 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 they complete from schools, they have no job, they have nothing to do. And many, for those who have resorted to uh, doing some uh, small-scale farming, it's also a huge challenge because there are some resources or some kind of interest that they will have to get uh, uh, with the means of funds. And these things are not easy to come by. So there are a lot that poverty as a result of this crisis uh, can be, uh, in fact, uh, manifest around the region. So we, we see quite a lot. So what we as a church, we, we try to do is to make sure something to We don't stay idle because um, you cannot wait for the politicians to come. Unfortunately, the politicians find them ready to not go for their, their, their desire. Like we're in the era of um, uh, uh, election into political offices. Um, the politicians are all over the place. As usual, they'll come with their money and then uh, and talk to the young people who are ready to because of unemployment, joblessness. They have gone to school, they are back, nothing to do. And so they find this as opportunity. And, you know, it, um, and most times they the, the, the movement becomes so, uh, you know, so overflowed to a point where it results to uh, some kind of conflict, uh, one party against the other party. Now, what 
the church is trying to do, which is very, very strong and, and uh, quite encouraging, is to insist on standing on a neutral ground to encourage members to vote for the for credible uh, people, people who will represent them and, uh, and, and improve their lives, you know, the better. So that is what uh, we, I mean, as a church, we have been drumming up in the hearts and within the environment. Of course, uh, the more you do that, the more you find, since we are not all Christians, that is always very challenging to, to achieve at the time. But gradually something uh, may is moving because in the past, hardly would you find Christians participating in politics. But today it has become normal. Uh, we have more Christians there now, um, also very strong Christians, of course, who are doing their best. Um, you know, and then the Muslims are also non-Christian or Muslim participating, which sometimes makes the whole game very, very uh, complicated. So, yeah, let, let uh, me, uh, that's so far. Yeah, that, that's really, I mean, it's really discouraging hearing about all that, all that's happening, but also encouraging about what the church is doing. But let me ask a couple of quick questions just to clarify some things. So, it sounds like, uh, there's a tribal conflict, people of different tribes wanting yeah. power. And then, uh, then there's the bandits that you told me more about the last time we talked. And then there's also the yeah. issue of the Muslims and the Christians. Are those all separate conflicts or are they also overlapped and interrelated? Um, in fact, um, what, no, it, once in a while, um, there is a kind of overlap. Now, the overlap sometimes comes when you see um, the tribal conflict uh, now happening at a time of uh, politics now, uh, as it is now. We have that. Then also that of um, the, uh, the religious conflict. That, as you know, that is one thing I would say, uh, kind of you know, you know, unites us when it comes up that way. Uh, the people come together, they team up together to resist the the invaders. Um, although you know, in between, you'll find somebody saying they are not coming after your tribe. Why? Are you, so why are you? What? Why, why are you attacking them? But the point is that. We know the agenda. We know that their aim is to take over, you know, Islamize. And so we insist we must not allow that to happen. We can, nobody is, you know, allowed to take the law into his hands. And you cannot force anyone into your religion. So that is very clear. And um, okay. then the, 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 the issue of the tribal thing is all about the traditional stool, which has been vacant for years now. So there are agitations, there are uh, you know, uh, movement uh, you know, to see that one particular tribe sits in, on, on that throne. Um, by that, it means they are the ones that are in control of power, or the administration of the area 
And um, then, of course, the economic, uh, <laughs> I think the whole thing, you know, actually has to do with the economic benefit. So they have opportunity, they will have opportunity to be more, you know, to be employed, they will have opportunity to do, to, to have access to more business activities or avenues than the others. That's just basically what I can say okay. about uh, then yeah, that. There's also the issue of kidnappings, which um, I remember over the years you you kept asking me to pray about the the kidnapping situation. I think you had a pastor that was kidnapped that was close to you. Um, I, is that related to these other conflicts, or is that a separate thing? And also, did that pastor ever get found? Uh, Anthony, you are touching something that is very very disturbing to me. Not as not um, disturbing in a way to say I'm not happy with what you are saying, but I'm saying based on the experience of the region. Like I told you earlier, we we, we got to a point where Takum was under siege. Nobody was coming to Takum, and nobody was going out of the out of the town to the vicinity, all um, out of fear of being kidnapped, and it was becoming a daily experience on the road. Like I said, one of these, uh, in, in one of those days, I spent, I mean, I, I, I took, uh, it's just about 78 kilometers away from, from another uh, local government headquarters. And on my way, about 30 kilometers away from the, about 34 kilometers from here, from Takum, I met, I mean, there was this uh, army checkpoint where I saw some people were looking depressed, they were confused, and I saw a vehicle parked. And I asked, what was the problem? They told me the driver was kidnapped. Again, another time, somebody who was, you know, a, a bus with 14 young people, we you know, took the same road. 12 of them were kidnapped. Two. We are able to escape. Now, most of these people uh, were only released when ransom were paid. Or in most, I know, while at, at other times, even with the ransom, those people were killed. Uh, this pastor that was on the farm with his wife that evening, uh, Reverend Saba was a, a student at Calvi, I remember. He was a student at Calvi. I, in, the, in the evening of that day, if I even before that day we met and uh, we had some very useful discussion about how to work together, because he, we talked about uh, Timothy leadership training. I, he felt, because I met him in the US, uh, you know, the last time we were there. So he asked what actually took me there and I told him why I was there. And he was excited, he said, what? could we do to help the church? And I told him my plan, and we all agreed we're going to do something better to improve our situation through the training. Just two days later, I got a call that he was shot. Oh, yeah, on his on, on the church farm, which was, I mean, which is just about uh, two kilometers away from the main uh, church area. So it was a terrible experience. Now, Unfortunately, this day, uh, this particular incident um, did not happen as a result of, uh, of, of, of religion. 
I rather uh, was it because of anybody seeking to you know to ascend the traditional stool. But this is between you know uh, a thief uh, and the Juku or the Ichi people at that time, or in the, you know who are the dominant uh, tribe, the Ichi, uh, the ones there. Now, uh, the whole thing actually was about taking over the land because these are farming people. These are farmers. They are all farming communities. So they scramble for the takeover of the land was the issue that brought about the conflict there. And it re resulted to, you know, to the, I mean, the uh, death of these people. In fact, the pastor's wife uh, who was pregnant too was killed in the process. Now, apart from that just about 20 kilometers away from here, from Takum, you know, a retired uh, you know, educationist um, has his own land, farmland there, and he went to take care of uh, his, you know, his tree crops. Unfortunately, he was also shot on the farm, and he, it became a serious thing. One month later, his younger brother went to the same farm. And was also shot and died. So all these two died, all because of somebody saying this land belongs to me. So we have them in different, you know, we talk about the traditional stool, somebody is looking for it. Okay, the one tribe is, you know, is eyeing the position, they want to be there, they're the ones to be there, they claim so. They you know, we talk about the farmland. This another tribe is saying we own this place, so you will you know nobody has the right to stop us from this place, even though they it is said there they came and settled and they met some people there because they have stayed there over the years, it has become an issue of ownership, a lot of issues, a lot of issues, you know that. Conflicts erupt here and there, people being killed. And at the end of the day, they abandoned the whole farmland because everybody becomes afraid. How will you go to the farm when you are sure that, I mean, when you are not sure of your safety? So, as I'm, as I'm talking to you, that is the road I take almost every week. And I, each time I take a look at the farmland, the man, while alive, was very good at taking care of his farmland, his crops. You know, the palm trees there, the cassava there, and other things, you know, that he had. You know, today, the place has become another thing altogether. It's unkempt because who will go? Who will take care of it? The children, uh, unfortunately, he doesn't, you know, he died without even a child. And so whoever is thinking of going there is already afraid because you can't go to a place where your life is not I mean, where you know, your security is not guaranteed. So it's that way, that kind of you know, uh, fighting that we have seen. Over. So the entire region has experienced one form of crisis or the other. Religion, yes, they came from the north and attacked. And then also from within, we have people who are agitating for position, the political you know, offices and all of that. So all this resulted to crisis and also loss of lives. As a result, people uh, have lost their lives, have lost their you know, means of livelihood, they have lost their own environment, their friends, their relations, and, they, uh, uh, 
And as a result, we have you know, a long list of widows, we have a long list of uh, orphans, and uh, so on and on. I mean, yeah. other, you know, um, damnable, you know, situations that yeah. one is really, really sad about. With all of that yeah. suffering that the, the church has gone through, all the danger that people like you are in every day, I'm wondering uh, how has that affected people's spiritual lives? What kind of spiritual growth do you see? What kind of different outlook on life do you see because of the danger and the suffering that, that Christians go through on a daily basis? How does that change their relationship with God or how they look at, look at life? How they treat each other. Yeah, Anthony, um, you know, you have raised a very important question, and it's a very serious question of concern to me and to all of us who are Christians who believe in nothing but God and that God is the ultimate. And you will need to serve Him with the whole of your heart, the whole of your spirit, your spirit, soul, and body. Now, crisis erupts, normally happens here always find other means as the only ready means to resist their opponent. And what they do, some of them go into fetish activities, drinking some um, herbs, picking up some charms and amulets in the name of protection. Now, at that point, it becomes very clear that the Christianity they profess does not hold sway in their life anymore. They become completely uh, isolated from the things of God. Each time a crisis erupts, um, it, it becomes opportunity for the weak believers or Christians to resort to traditional means of uh, uh, response or responding to the crisis. Uh, some of them go with, I mean, some of them take arms, take uh, amulets, they take charms and all of those you know, stuff uh, in the name of protection. And that is, uh, that is where you will find the Christian um, life of of the church at that time going quite quite uh, low. Uh, but the beauty of it is that uh, even in the midst of it, uh, the church has not stopped to encourage people to look up to God, to, to remain steadfast and continue to work stronger. And that, I mean, that is the reason why the church seems to be growing, you know, in spite of the crisis. The church, you know, presently we have over 180 or should I say 183 uh, local church, uh, church councils that have been established uh, all within the period of the crisis. Uh, not all of them though, uh, even within the period of the crisis, quite a number of them actually have been established. So we, we see the we see God at work, uh, I must say, God at work despite the situation that seems to be hopeless and even um, hapless, so to speak, to an extent. So we we've, we see the church uh, still striving in the midst of the challenges, in the face of the persecutions, because it's directly against the church, against the body of Christ, uh, which 
we understand that is the enemy um, and our battle is spiritual and not physical. So that is the emphasis of the church, that the battle we fight is not physical, but spiritual. Of course, uh, where it becomes necessary, we have to stand up to say no, to resist uh, anybody that is taking over your property, which is very more, I mean, which is more or less one of the reasons uh, people resort to taking lives and all of that. Yeah, thanks. Uh, yes, thank you, Kephas. Um It's really important for the rest of the church <coughs> around the world to know about <laughs> what our brothers and sisters are going through in at least your part of Nigeria. Yeah. And uh, what you yeah. said reminds me of the early church as well of, with uh, how persecution and is making the church to grow. Um, so it's really encouraging yeah. to see how God is using that in the midst of just terribly hard times that, that all of you are, are going through. We need to uh, close the, the podcast, but um, I want to end with a chance for you to just to share any message on your heart to the, the listeners um, particularly, you know, connected to what we've been talking about, what would you hope for from them? And then, um, or, or what, or you could share with them a message of what you've learned from this, that they can, they can learn from our Nigerian brothers and sisters who are going through this. And then, um, after that, you can share some prayer requests, uh, for the listeners, for your church and your family. The desire of every believer is to see the church grow. Uh, it starts with an individual. It starts with the, you know, with the people who receive Christ. People are not, and the people become related with one another and suspicious. So it becomes quite, quite a huge concern to us. So my prayer or my desire is to see a, a community of believers community of Christians, people who love God, because we grew up, we didn't see the differences we see today. So we want to see people living you know, happily one with another, uh, with each other. And then we also want to see the, our environment transformed. Because uh, for those of us who are passionate about uh, community development, sustainable development, we want to see uh, the lives of our people change for the better. Uh, their economic uh, you know, means of livelihood to be enhanced. Uh, all the players, all the stakeholders that are involved should be given equal opportunity to play this out. Uh, what, no one should be denied his own right. Uh, and also, we want to see, uh, what, we want to plead with um, the government, uh, both within and, uh, and across board, that they should always ensure that people live in harmony and not to play the politics of sentiment or tribalism, not to play the way they are going, where they are, you know, somebody is being imposed or some, on, a, on a group of people, they are forced to just accept him and uh, they are struggling and somebody is saying it, it must be him. Or the politics of money, where people use money to buy people's vote or not, even, not just buy people's vote, but changing figures, changing you know, uh, you know, whatever they want to change in their favor. 
we are really, really very sad about that kind of situation because that is the current thing that is happening now in most of the, uh, I mean, most of our states, and even, our, you know, I mean, most of the states across the country, um, we feel very, very sad about it. So these are issues. And so from my heart, I want the church in America, the church in, in, in Europe or across the world to look, to keep, to keep, you know, um, Christians in, 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 in Taraba, especially in Taraba, in Takum area, in their prayers. Of course, in the, in the north of Nigeria, uh, Christians are really having a hard time. Uh, I'm sure you have heard what happened recently to a, you know, a young lady called uh, Deborah who was killed you know, by, his class, by her classmates over you know, a statement she made that, is, that was termed as blasphemy. And uh, people taking laws into their hearts and taking people's lives. So these are areas of concern to uh, us Christians in this area. And there are so many threats coming here and there. Um, the recent development is that, you know, the, 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 the Muslims get up and say anything they want to say, and nobody, you know, brings them to order. You know, nobody calls them to order. So it, it, make, it, 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 it creates a situation where people they want us to go of consultation that will be, it will be difficult for a, a, a country like Nigeria, if we are all displaced or dispersed. I don't know which country will be able to accommodate Nigeria because it's, it's, it's a huge challenge. It's going to be very difficult for any country to do so. So that is about that. Uh, like I said, my prayer request is for the church in U.S. and other places to keep praying for Nigeria, keep praying for Christians in Takum, keep praying for Christians in Taraba State, and of course in the northern part of Nigeria because we are going through a lot in this very uh, period. Uh, very, very difficult. It's a trying time for Christians across this region. Thank you. Uh, thank you so much, Kefis. Uh, certainly there's much in what you shared that we need to pray for, so many different concerns. Uh, we will pray for you, and I ask that uh, you keep in touch with me uh, as we go forward. It would be great to get your updates as we uh, keep on praying together. Thank you so much for your time and for sharing with us what, what your people are going through. We appreciate it. God bless you. Yeah, I really thank you so much, Antonio.